<laughs> Dr. Doreen Winding is here. It is time now for the Vet is In here on the Mighty 790 KFGO and KFGO.com. And uh, I, I, this is the first time since I don't know how long that we've actually done the show at 7 o'clock. I love it. Isn't it neat? Yes. <laughs> I'm so happy. I am early to bed, early to rise. And so there are times I think I've come in here at night and probably been completely incoherent, but somehow <laughs> you managed to get me through the yeah, show, faked Bob. faked it well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so does that mean sometimes when I look at the Facebook at 1230, 1 o'clock in the morning and I see Facebook on with your name, that must mean that you just forgot to turn it off, huh? Yes, that's exactly right. And that's why when you text me at night saying, hey, can you do a show tomorrow? I don't ask. I don't answer until the next morning because I'm sleeping. Oh, well, good for you. I'm glad somebody can sleep. Right, <laughs> right, right, Polly? Right. Well, I'm glad to be here. So thank you for asking me in. Thanks. Thank you so much. And such very short notice, too. I appreciate that. Well, coronavirus, it is spreading Again, there's a death now in uh, California, several in uh, Washington. You just don't know how soon it's going to move into our area, if at all. But uh, let's talk a little bit about that and uh, with our pets. We want to emphasize that with pets, there was, by the way, one dog or is one dog in China, in Hong Kong, that is being quarantined because it has tested, quote, a weak positive for coronavirus. Have you heard of this, Bob? No, I have not. There is indeed a dog that has tested weak positive. And, you know, at this point in time, what we can say is that there is no evidence that pets can spread or contract the coronavirus. And so the possibility with this dog is... You know, either A, it's a fomite, it just happened to, you know, have the virus on its fur because it was living with somebody who was infected with the coronavirus. Okay. Or B, maybe it is subclinically infected where it's not manifesting as a actual disease process as, as it does in humans. And so the dog isn't sick and it just has the coronavirus and we don't know. But we do know that, of course, washing your hands is important always after you pet any animal. So using good hygiene practices that you normally use in your household, I'm sure all of you out there, <laughs> do not pet your dog and go eat your sandwich. So just make sure that you're a little bit more aware of that nowadays because I see a lot of lizards and snakes in the clinic, and I'm always aware of zoonotic potential for bacteria like salmonella and that kind of thing. And the other thing that we have to consider, I'm going to kind of lead this in a different direction in that I want to talk a little bit about One Health, too, now that we're talking about infectious diseases. And One Health is a concept that it's, Relating humans, animals, and the world, or the environment, I suppose you could say, that we're all linked together. And there needs to be a collaborative effort of multiple disciplines working locally, nationally, and even globally to attain optimal health for people, animals, and the environment. And veterinarians play a role in this along with human physicians, ecologists, environmentalists, in that... You know, as the population continues to expand, 
there are overlaps in human and wild animal habitats, there's more concern for zoonotic mm-hmm. diseases. And veterinarians not only are responsible in playing a role in animal health, they also play a role in protecting human health. And your veterinarian, whether you know this or not, is doing this every time your dog or cat or whatever you have walks into the office. For example, things you don't think of. We're vaccinating all the time for zoonotic diseases, meaning diseases that you can pick up from your animal should they get it. Things like rabies, that's a tremendously important zoonotic disease. Oh, okay. I didn't realize and that. And so is leptospirosis, which can cause you know devastating clinical illness and sometimes death in people and animals. So there's a link there and a responsibility, a tremendous responsibility veterinarians have for not only the health of your animal, but also you as well as the human. There, there was a, a, for some reason that sounds familiar, there was a big uh, study by the CDC, I think, that put, uh, put, put this out concerning the relationship between animals and the, uh, and, and the health problems that could, that could be coming, uh, could become from it. So I, I, I know I did see that someplace. So I think we'll hear more about One Health. And when I go to Capitol, Capitol Hill and talk to legislators, this is one thing that I am talking to them about is One Health, especially in light of the corona outbreak now. We see the intricate relationship that animals do have with humans. So One Health will be coming up and it'll be more important and I think we'll hear more about it as time goes on. Do you think do you think the 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 recognition of it is spreading a, a lot? You know, recognizing this thing, the zoonotic, yeah. I think it is. I I think that we also need to be aware as pet owners that there is a potential that you can pick up things from animals. You can pick up things from your environment too, but we all have to be responsible. And that's where I think just things that some of us think is common sense, like hand washing, come into play. It's not common sense for everybody. In fact, I catch my employees too. You know, literally somebody might be eating a sandwich and working at the same time. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We don't do that. Or just having a covered cup, you know, that's got a lid on it instead of drinking an open cup of coffee. We don't allow open cups of coffee in our practice. It has to be covered. So these are things that we are thinking about all the time because we're much more aware of zoonotic disease. Do you ever go to your, I mean, if you see that happen, do you tell your employees, hey, go go wash your hands or hey, you know. All the time. Oh, really? All the time. We all have to be reminded of that. It's not just people out there at home. It's everybody has to. And I'm, you're coming, you're talking to somebody who is a chronic hand washer. I mean, I'm, I am constantly washing my hands. It's. One of those things, I'm kind of a germ freak in that sense, but it's important. I don't want to be sick and I don't want my patients to be sick as I walk from exam room to exam room. So it's, again, something that we have to be very diligent about in any medical profession. And you're extra diligent because you have to do surgeries as well. That's right. I mean, that's why we scrub before surgeries. Yeah. Right. Interesting. All right. Well, we're going to take our first break. And uh, 237-5948-1-800-880-5346. You can also text us a question at 35270. The vet is in. 
an early edition here on Nighttime Live, here on the Mighty 790 KFGO, Dr. Dreen Wedding. Seven nineteen on this Thursday night. It's an early edition of the Vet Is In. Dr. Doreen Winning here on the Mighty 790 KFGO from the Valley Veterinary Hospital. We are taking your phone calls at 237-5948 or 1-800-880-5346. I want to thank Jim for calling in before I get him on the air because usually... Uh, we get all the calls at about five minutes before the show is finished, and he's calling early to get his question in, and I really appreciate Gold that. Gold star for Jim. There you go. Jim, thanks for okay. calling in. <laughs> all right. Hey, guys. Hey, um, I have a five-year-old uh, half uh, carrion terror, half shih tzu. Um, I know my shih tzu sounds kind of weird, but I always say it weird. But anyways, um, we give her a greenie about every other day to help with her teeth. Um, and on our yearly checks with our local vet, we go to a Castleton, and they've been really impressed with how her teeth look. And is that okay to do that, or should we be doing more brushing? Um, and then the other question is, is she's five years old, and we've been debating on getting a companion dog for her, or do you think it's just better to have just her alone? And I can hang up and listen to the answer. <laughs> well, when it comes right. to multiple dogs, you know yeah. the answer to that. <laughs> you know what my answer is going to be? Get four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get four. Yeah. No, I don't think the wife would like that much. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, as far as getting a companion for your dog right now, I think that depends on personality. So things I would look for in your dog is, you know, how does she react to other dogs when you do go to the vet clinic or if you take her to PetSmart or Petco or some, you know, place where uh, dogs are allowed in multiples. So think about that. Think about um, her personality in general. Is she outgoing and friendly or is she kind of one of those that just likes her family and, and nothing else? That being said, I think that there is nothing wrong with getting another dog. I will say jumping from one to two is kind of a big leap, you know, when people start looking at care and the time required for care. Think about that with your schedule, too, and make sure that it works for your schedule to be walking two dogs, financially caring for two dogs, having the time to care, you know, feeding, caring, grooming, all these things for two dogs. So I think if you feel comfortable with that, I would say go for it. Okay. Um, The the big thing is is, um, my father-in-law has uh, kind of the onset uh, Alzheimer's. So when we are gone for work, we actually bring Ruby over to him, and they are like best friends. And I just kind of wondered if that getting that second dog will compete in that, um, because it you, you should. It, they're just a, the biggest pair. I mean. We live in a small community, and they're always out walking during the day, and everybody always talks about how how well them two get along and how happy he is when they're out and about. And I just, I just kind of wondered, you know, but I mean, it's not a big 
anything if we don't get a second dog. I just I was just wondering, are dogs more happy having a companion, or is it, you know, that's the question I kind of have, you know? I think- kind of like, you know, brother-sister kind of thing, right. you know, or... Right. And it's th- for this reason that I, your dog is already bonded to its humans. And so when I see people adopting multiples out of a litter, that's when I start getting concerned that those dogs are going to bond more to each other as they're growing up together instead of to the humans. And so I think it's good that your dog already has that bond to your father or father-in-law and you know, that bond is already there. However, there can be things that go on in the dog world in their dynamics that can affect the relationship with your family members. And so it's going to be interesting to see. I don't foresee anything breaking that bond between him and your dog. But yet at the same time, there might be a, another little friend that's going in for competition and wants that attention too. So that might be a little bit harder for him to get used to that there's two dogs now instead of one. Or maybe you simply just take that dog to his house and the other one, you know, stays home. I mean, that's possibility too. So you're going to have to work those things out, but it's good that you're thinking about that in advance. Okay. There's one thing I'd like to bring up too is, uh, and I've been in this situation, I think maybe you have too, but when you have an older dog and you get a, a new one or, you know, to be its companion, especially if there's a five or six year difference, be prepared when the older dog may pass away, that it's going to really do something to that second dog as far as the loneliness is concerned, the companionship is concerned, and you may want to think about getting yet another dog uh, when you notice that maybe that older dog is ready to, you know, as, as his you really, last days. You really don't know my wife, then, do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Jim. Because, because, because it's, it's more the husband thing that's thinking the second dog, not the wife. You know how that is, so. hey, hey, Jim, by the way, did we answer your teeth question? Well, let's answer that. Okay. There is no substitute for brushing every day. And I know that's hard, especially when we have multiple pets. Brushing every single day will decrease the cost of veterinary care for you because your dog is less likely to have dental abscesses and bad teeth that require care and attention from your veterinarian. And the other thing is, if you can't brush with some animals, you cannot. Cats are notorious for not allowing toothbrushing without maiming or mutilating their human in the process. So in those cases, yes, treats are an acceptable substitute. However, you have to remember, take away the calories. So if you're feeding 100 calories worth of treats... That's got to come out of the dog food that she's being fed. So think about that because being overweight in pets is a huge problem. I see mm, at least 80% of those animals walking through the door are overweight. So think about that. If you can't brush, yes, treats are acceptable. They also, by the way, make some nice dental diets for dogs and cats as well that are helpful. They also make water additives though cats sometimes have a problem with that some dogs do but they're a little bit more uh, accepting of 
additives in their water. So those are all things you can think about. All right, Jim. Yeah, that's, thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. Take care. Think about that second, maybe even a third dog. <laughs> Take care, man. <laughs> all right, let's go over to Ken in Fargo. And Ken has a, uh, well, I'll be interested to in see what this is about. He's, it's, it's licking, a licking problem. Mm. I've got a large to giant labradoodle that insists on licking and licking and licking. And I mean, I tried him spraying lemon juice in my hands and he just won't quit. Mm-hmm. Any, any good ideas? So he's licking anything and everything? Is he like licking the furniture and the carpets or is it mainly his humans? He licks the my arms on my uh, uh, easy chair, but he doesn't lick any other furniture other than that. And how old did you say he is? He's three. Okay. So this is a tough one, especially as animals get older and it becomes more of a learned behavior. Some animals will just lick skin, human skin, because of the flavor that it has, the salt or electrolytes that... Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that can be tough. But what I would suggest to you is find a more acceptable behavior for him. So when he's licking, (laughs) I know you can say no and redirect him to something that you feel is more acceptable. And it takes time. He, he, uh, you know, I say no to him and he laughs at me. This is one of you dogs when it was 20 below zero this winter. He had hair on him. He just went and laid down the snowbank. I, I had all I could do to get him to come in. <laughs> Maybe you should tell him to lick your hand and they'll <laughs> stop. But anyway, yeah, you basically have to find a more acceptable behavior. And that's that way with any kind of undesirable behavior with a pet. Finding something that is more acceptable He's getting a haircut tomorrow, and hopefully he learns it's cold outside. Yeah. <laughs> I would be really curious, Ken, and this is just me, but if it's just that chair that he likes to lick, if you sat in another chair for a while, and he, maybe... He doesn't like the other chairs. So, so even if you had your arms on other armrests for a while, he's not going to go to that one, just that particular he, chair. He, he has not done it. He has wow. done it. I got, I got two easy chairs. And what I like to sit in, he comes and licks on it. If I go in the other chair, uh, he'll come bug me all the time <laughs> and lick on me, but he does not lick on that chair. Wow, that's interesting. All right, well, good luck to you, Ken. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Your dogs don't lick everything, do they? You know, your no. dogs chew things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why I will never, ever, ever have a puppy again. <laughs> Dr. Doreen Winning is our special guest tonight. We have an early edition of The Vet is In here on the Mighty 790 KFGO. I see we have some text messages. We'll get to that in just a couple of moments as well. Uh, Once again, the phone numbers are 237-5948. You can also call us toll-free, 800-880-5346. Or if you'd like to text, we'll read it on the air as well. 35270 is the short code. That's 35270. And maybe if we get a chance... Paulie's got some problems at home. I mean, with his dog. Maybe he can talk to you about that, too. So we'll be right back here on the Nighttime Live Early Edition on KFGO.
Well, this is a lot of fun. We're an hour earlier with the Vet is in during Nighttime Live here on the Mighty 790 KFGO. Derek's got to leave for Florida more often, I think. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be flat. <laughs> <laughs> Your uh, phone lines are open right now, except for one, uh, 237-5948 or 1-800-880-5346. And once again, you can text us. And we'll get to a text message here in just a couple of moments. But Dolores has been waiting patiently online for Dr. Doreen Winning of the Valley Veterinary Hospital. And Dolores, say hello to the doctor. Hello, Dr. Winning. Hi, Dolores. Um, I've, you know, I've spoken to you before about the German wire hair pointer with the spondylosis in the spine and the cancerous tumor in his nostril. Oh, um, yeah. I did have to put him down uh, tomorrow, a month ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, but the little dog won't eat now. Yeah. So not only I are you... I have a 14-year-old Pekingese Chihuahua, and, yeah. or Pekingese, um, yeah, Chihuahua, and she mm-hmm. won't eat dog food. Yeah. So it's hard because you're grieving, and your other little dog is grieving as well. And sometimes we don't give animals enough credit for their grieving process. And I can tell you personally, um, from my own experiences with my pets, they do grieve. And some of them, it's as simple as, okay, they're gone today. Where are they? I'm looking all over the house for them. And then tomorrow they're on, you know, a new mission in life. But some of them, it can take months, months. And I do mean that. She's 14. And he was 11 and a half in mm-hmm. February. So. Well, they've been together a um, long time, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, his whole life and most of hers. But I, she won't eat the dry dog food. She doesn't have a lot of teeth. And and uh, so I soften the dog food, mix some canned in it. She'll nibble a little. But I've, she's freeing a one. Yukonuba that he always ate because she'd always steal his food, and <laughs> I just can't, <laughs> I just can't get her to, to eat. <laughs> well, first of all, what I'm going to say to you is, you know, I and I know Dolores that you take good care of your pets because we've talked on air before, but make sure this little one is, you know, has been seen by a vet, and there's no other reasons for her to stop eating health wise. Okay. Yep. And she then was just in this week. Okay, uh, to perfect. Get nail trim and and shot. Good. And so if there is no other reason, then I would say give her a little bit of time. I'd be watching her weight, especially if she's already thin at her age, which a lot of pets are. And if she's starting to lose weight, then I would contact your veterinarian and he or she might decide, you know what, we might need to do some diagnostic tests to make sure that everything is okay uh, with her. What? She maintains the weight within an ounce or so. Yeah. So um, I would just give her some time. and Just take her on walks now that I can. <laughs> yep, try to. <laughs> well, now that the weather's better. Right. Try to stick to as much of a regular schedule with her that you can uh-huh. because... Like us, our pets do like consistency and repeatability repeatability in their own schedule. So if you go for a walk every day at 3 o'clock, make sure you kind of try to stick to that to the best of your ability. If you feed at 4 a.m. and 4 p.m., stick to that to the best of your ability. Just try to make those things really predictable for her. Okay. 
because about the time a year ago when he was diagnosed with the spondylosis, she tore, separated her kneecap and, and tore her ACL on her back left leg. But they said there's a little bit of thing there. So uh, she wanted me to try the glucosequin uh, like I did for the wire hair for mm-hmm. her. And then also, uh, I forget what that tablet is for pain for a few days. Mm-hmm. And see, maybe that's it. It's just that besides the grieving, she was in some pain with that leg injury from a year ago. Right. But she runs, she can take off like a bullet. And how can you with a separated <laughs> kneecap and a torn ACL? <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much for your call, okay. Dolores. Best of luck to you, you and the little one there. Mm-hmm. Appreciate your thank call. You. Thank you. 237-5948-1-800-880-5346. Let's talk a little bit about senior care. How about we do that? I was just thinking about... The last couple days, I've had a lot of senior pets come in and noticeably, some of them had progressed to the point that their owners didn't recognize how much the animal was going through at the time because the changes had been so very gradual that we stopped seeing them. And so things like weight loss or... Um, changes in the hair coat or the ability to move around, those kinds of things can have such a gradual onset in the change that sometimes we as pet owners, myself included, that I fit myself in that category. When you're looking at them every day, you don't see the big picture. Sure, sure. And so when you get into the vet's office, your veterinarian is saying, whoa, whoa. You know, the last time I saw your pet six months ago, there's been a significant change. And so, you know, it's hard. It's hard to face that as pet owners and trying to word that as a veterinarian, me as a veterinarian, word that in a way where, you know, sometimes it's not as shocking as as it can be. So try to keep track of your pet's weight at home. Try to make the life of your pet as they get older a little bit easier to live and You know, a lot of people have hardwood floors or tile floors nowadays because they have pets, you know, and sometimes you just have to put rugs down to help these older dogs get around a little bit better. Um, Be aware that if you're seeing a stiff pet that has trouble getting up from a lying or sitting position, that's probably a painful pet too with osteoarthritis pain. So it might be a good idea at that point to either start supplements like glucosamine chondroitin. Fish oil is always a good one to start. Uh, I start all my pets at seven on, actually, all of my pets are on fish oil no matter their age. (laughs) But um, I start supplements at age seven for geriatric care. And then... um, just trying to, again, stick to a consistent schedule because sometimes the mentation, the process of uh, trying to reason things out in pets as they get older, they can't do that as well. So having a more rigid schedule for them is very helpful as well. What what you just said reminds me of something and it almost brings a tear to my eye right now. When my, when my black lab was getting very old, and I would lay down on the couch to take a nap, and he might be lead, you know, over on the other side of the, the little living room. I lay down on the couch. He got up, tough time getting up, walked 
very slowly toward me, laid right down next to the couch. And as he comes down, you know, you hear this, you know, you hear this grunt and he shakes the, the, the couch, you know, because he's leaning right against it. But, you know, I never felt so much love from that dog as, I mean, it was just incredible that this dog cares about yes, me that absolutely. to be near me, even when it caused him pain to come over. Right. And that, you know, you say that now. And right before I came here tonight, I just sat down on my sofa and two of my dogs jumped up. My dogs are allowed on the sofa. They jumped up on the sofa with me and there was only room for the two of them. And I have three. And the third one came and saw there was no room and laid right by my legs. And so I was like, oh, how sweet. You know, they really do. They want to be near you. You're, you, as their owner, are their entire life. So it makes sense that, you know, they would want to be close to you. And, and some of these dogs, too, like we were talking during the break, have separation anxiety from their owners. And we can see that getting worse as they get older and they aren't able to, again, reason things out and process things mentally like they could when they are younger. And so symptoms of anxiety, if they're already predisposed to it as a younger pet, can get worse as a geriatric pet. And so talking to your veterinarian about what can I do to help relieve some of these symptoms that I'm seeing in my dog associated with anxiety. And it might be medications. It might be a dog food. I started one of my dogs now on Purina Bright Minds because I was worried about mentation and cognitive decline. And so I'm trying that out to see. And in fact, Bob, we were talking. I was going to be my next question. Aren't you touring something? Yes. So I am going to go to St. Louis and tour the Purina pet food manufacturing facility and also their research facility. I believe they have a research facility there. It sounded like it, but I will be going there and I can report back to you guys so that you know how it looked and smelled. <laughs> and smelled? Sounded. Well, you know, when I went to Royal Canaan up in Toronto, that was their thing. They didn't want people in the neighborhoods around them knowing that there was, you know, a pet food factory. They didn't want to have offensive odors in the air. And so they were very conscious about cleanliness. Really? And I didn't yes, know that. incredibly so. Yes. That was the cleanest factory I have ever been to. Ever. I mean, very, very clean. So when you're in St. Louis, will you visit Anheuser Busch too? <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay let's take a break <laughs> we're at a quarter before eight two three seven five nine four eight one eight hundred eight eight oh five three four six you could also text us at three five two seven oh i mentioned texts we do have two of them so we'll get to those in a little bit here i was just joking about the uh, never mind let's go it was not <laughs> Last segment of The Vet is In. Dr. Doreen Winning from the Valley Veterinary Hospital is with us. And uh, 237-5948, 1-800-880-5346. So call now. 
because we only have about 11 minutes to go. And you can text us at 35270. That's 35270. Jim writes, by the way, he was with us on the phone a little while ago. He said, thank you so much, guys. I just want to make sure the need to try to brush my uh, Ruby's teeth daily. Yes. So you're very welcome, Jim. You're very Mm -hmm. welcome. And has anyone thought that this may be a terrorist attack on the world economy? I'm just suggesting for food of thought. I guess when we were talking about the oh, virus. the coronavirus. Yeah. I think it's somebody goofed up in China, to be honest with you. That's my thought. That's what I've kind of heard. Somebody lets, somebody lets, they were doing biological stuff and somebody let something out in the air and, and screwed things all up. So. Well, I think, you know, there are so many things in this world that can cause morbidity and mortality. And this coronavirus happens to be one of them. It actually causes more morbidity, it sounds like, than mortality, meaning more sickness than fatalities. And I think we have to keep things in perspective with that. Yeah. Very well put. That's Mm -hmm. from the doc. And she's a doctor. She She knows. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Some days I know something. Um, Let's talk. uh, Well, before we get to Polly here, if we get time, and let's talk. You wanted to talk a little bit about essential oils. Yeah, we should talk about that because from time to time, I do get questions about can I use essential oils on or around my pets? Diffusers are popular these days and some people have different types of oils that you know they diffuse throughout their house and yes i now we have to remember folks that animal sense of smell is much much more acute absolutely than pets sense of smell and so i'm all for you know having burning a candle here and there or you know doing something nice for yourself and enjoyable for yourself. But let's, if you're going to have a pet in the house, you have to make sure that you're taking their sense of smell into consideration too. And so I did have a diffuser in my house and I actually quit using it because I was worried about it. It, I was worried about my pet smelling it, but that's just me. If it's that strong, does it like ruin this their sense of smell? Well, or I just think like burns it out. As or? a person who suffers from migraines myself, I I wonder. Okay, so do dogs get headaches? Nobody really knows if dogs get headaches. Do senses of does their sense of smell contribute to you know having you know feeling sick when they have these smells going throughout the house. And I'm not saying everybody's house should smell like a dog because, (laughs) you know, I don't want my house smelling like a dog. I don't want people knowing when they walk in the door that I have dogs other than they're barking. So, you know, I get that. But yet at the same time, I think we just need to temper our desires for having all these things going. Because I do, when there are some animals that come into the clinic and literally they smell so strongly of essential oils that I have to wonder, you know. They're actually putting them on the animal right, or if it's coming right. from some other place. Yeah, and you think about cats. I mean, even if a cat's in a house with a diffuser, cats groom themselves. And so they have the potential to ingest those oils. Now, we know tea tree oil is toxic to pets. So never, ever use tea tree tea tree oil on your pets uh we know too that 
you know, clove, cinnamon, those kind of scents can cause irritation to the respiratory tract of certain animals, especially when you think about cats. Now, a lot of people smoke. And so, you know, same thing goes there. I, I see a lot of animals coming in smelling like cigarette smoke. And of course, you know, when we get used to it as the pet owner, we can't smell it. And so it's, you know, let me tell you, the pet can, the pet can. And so just be careful of that. Interesting. Well, well uh, we do have another text question that just came in, dog question. It says, my sister really likes dogs, but the breed she has has about an eight-year lifespan. And she had two dogs die on her and says she won't be getting any more since it's too hard on her. What is a breed you would recommend for a longer life? Typically, the small breed dogs have longer lives. And, you know, if you're getting those giant breed dogs, anything goes after, mm, you know, probably six, seven years of age. So anything you get beyond that, I would say, is bonus, you know, from for some of the giant breeds. I'm talking like Great Dane. Irish Wolfhound, those kinds of breeds. Well, we just talked about that off mic, too, that uh, this Irish Wolfhound I knew in Wisconsin mm-hmm. uh, just recently passed and was just, just turned eight. Right. And that was... They're just not. They're not going to live as long. Yeah. So think smaller breeds. If if this individual doesn't like smaller breed dogs, and some people don't like the lap dogs, go for a medium breed, uh, like, say, maybe a Cocker Spaniel is a good one. Uh, Cavalier King Charles Spaniel is another good one. Um, yeah, so think of that. Uh, you know, Australian Shepherd. It depends. Now, see, I'm making recommendations to somebody, and I don't even know their living arrangements. Sure. So, sure. you know, whatever. And but, there, there, all are, there are mixed breeds, too, that are small as well. You don't have to get a purebred. That's right. However... You know, try to use local shelters if you're going to do something like that. Try to use local shelters. Just, you know, there, there's dogs coming from all over the country. And people from all over the country, there have been some shelters in other parts of the countries. Nothing here, but other parts of the countries that have been known to be in disguise, you know, for profit in disguise. So they're actually operating as a quote shelter when they're, you know. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So just use the local shelters if you're going to do that. And, you know, we know all the local shelters here. They're very, very good. Uh, They're very, very responsible and honest. Well, we got a few more minutes left. Did you want to sneak in your question concerning sure, your dog? Well, I don't know if it's the treats that uh, we're giving our dogs. Uh, our dogs go crazy over these uh, chicken jerky treats. I think I showed you the video last time you were in mm-hmm. of our dogs going crazy over them. Uh, but now it seems like they every now and then oh, we have a, one's part Maltese, part Shih Tzu, and the other one is a Havanese. And uh, right now we're going through with the Havanese, his... Uh, when he does the number two, it's real liquidy. And today I found blood in his stool. And uh, last night when I got up because he was whining, he was he had been throwing up. So I don't know. Is it the treats that we're giving him, or is it something else? Is he? 
it could be the treats. One thing that I would, I prefer is if your dogs really like jerky treats, if mm. there's a way for you to make your own jerky treats with a mm. dehydrator at your house, that would be preferable because of some jerky treats being associated with illness. Mm. So I would go that route for that. Now, getting back to the illness at hand, yes, it's possible that it could be some sort of illness related to anything mm. your dog ate. It could be environmental. However, whenever we see blood in the stool, mm -hmm. that's when I would dial up the vet and make an appointment. Yeah. Because typically that's a breakdown between a part of the body that has a lot of bacteria and another part of the body that does not and does not want any bacteria, meaning the bloodstream. Sure. So that's an important um, indication that hmm, probably time to give the veterinarian's office a call. Sure. Okay. So is it lethargic and he just today we noticed he was been yeah. he was a little bit more lethargic than usual because usually he's he's pretty playful and stuff. I mean, he has had his moments of playing like I was talked to the wife today and she said he was playing a little bit, but still not nearly what he used to be. Yeah. So, so it's hard to, to, hard to tell. So, okay. yeah. All right. When do we start worrying about ticks? Any time now. <laughs> so I I was just out at the farm with my dogs last weekend and I was kind of in, you know, not a panic mode because it's never a t good time to panic, Bob. But I was thinking about this. Got to get the tick collar on. I'm going to use Soresto collar on all of my dogs this year because I love it for my dogs. And remember, there's no one tick preventative that works great for every single dog out there. You have to try and see what works for your dog. That is the March edition of The Vet Is In here on the Mighty 790 KFGO and KFGO.com. Dr. Doreen Winning from the Valley Veterinary Hospital right over here on Main, right? That's right. We're at... 3210 Main Avenue in Fargo. I almost forgot where we're at. <laughs> Our phone number is 232-3391, and we're online at valleyveterinary.net. And by the way, make sure you go to their Facebook page because uh, you've got a lot of great information that's sent to you from time to time from uh, the person who is in charge. It's Thank not, you. It's not you, it's who? It's Amber. Amber. We'll give Amber a shout out. Yeah. Nice going. All right, thank you very much, and she'll be back again in April right here on the Mighty 790. This is KFGO Fargo.